help if I turn on my mic? Here we go. I'm telling you, it's like the first day back, isn't it? I don't know there's a mic over there. I'm not turning on my pack. I'm just all caught up in worship this morning. So again, it's so, it's so uh, good to be back. I was so excited this morning, I can't even tell you. It's kind of like, you know, when you've had the summer off and you're going back to school in the fall and you're all excited and, um, you know, just so excited to come and to worship the Lord this morning, but to also see all of you. And uh, I, I love this series, uh, You've Got a Friend in Me, and just what a friend that we have in God, but also what a friend we have in one another. And so uh, just what a blessing it is to be a part of this uh, congregation. So in 1995, um, I had a one-and-a-half-year-old, and I uh, was eight months pregnant with my second son, right? Uh, I don't know if that was a good idea at the time or not, right? 19 months apart. Um, so it was kind of a blur when they were little. Uh, and then, right, and then you've got them all in college at the same time, and then it's a financial blur. Um, but we've gotten over the hump. But So, yeah, 1995, and uh, one-and-a-half-year-old, eight-month-old, or, or eight months pregnant, and the movie Toy Story uh, debuted uh, that year in 1995. And it was unlike any other animated movie that had ever been made. And it changed the way that animated movies uh, are made even today. Uh, not only was this new technology fascinating, but the storyline also resonated with little ones and adults alike. I remember being riveted to it as well. You see, children fell in love with, with new toys, right? But for adults, we reconnected with a lot of the toys from our past. Uh, you may be like me. I remember um, starting at the top of the steps with my slinky, right, and watching it go down the steps. And then also you might have been like me being a little frustrated when it stopped part, part of the way down. And then uh, we also have Mr. Potato Head. And, and I love seeing how silly that I could make him look. It was just so much uh, fun. And then what about that Etch-A-Sketch? I talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, so much fun uh, to turn the knobs and try to create a picture, but it was equally as fun just to shake that thing up, right? And make everything disappear and, and start over again. So Toy Story, in many ways, uh, returned us to our childhood, but also created new toys for a new generation. Some 24 years later, we still love our beloved Toy Story characters, and I actually pulled this out this morning. This is old, and I still have it. And I'm so excited for my grandson to drink out of it one day. Um, but I was in a quandary. I'm like, do I take Woody or do I take Buzz this morning? I thought, well, I'll bring, I'll bring Woody this morning and I'll bring Buzz next week. So, but yeah, just so much fun to relive all of that. And then I just think, too, of, um, you know, this movie coming out again 24 later. So there's, a, you know, a whole other generation of kids that get to even um, learn about Toy Story. So I want to talk a little bit about the characters this morning. So we have Woody, and like I said, I've got him on my cup this morning. He is that beloved cowboy doll, and he prefers to be called what? An action figure. I still think that is so funny. He wants to be referred to as an action figure. Okay. And uh, he is the toy's leader. And despite all his fears and lack of confidence, he was always Andy's favorite. And then we have Buzz Lightyear. And his sole mission, and we remember his sole mission, was defeating the evil Emperor Zerg. But as the storyline progresses, uh, we see that, that Buzz is really a bridge builder, and he's trying to keep all of Andy's toys together. And then we have Jesse. Jessie, the rough and tumble cowgirl, and on the outside, um, you know, she's rough and tumble, but she's really quite sensitive on the inside because he, she had been left behind, right? And some scars are still with us if we don't deal with them. 
And then we have Rex, this, this ferocious dinosaur, Rex. And he's a T-Rex, but what we find is he is the most lovable, uh, worrywart, insecure, uh, small, uh, so insecure about his small roar, right? He's just so counter of what we would think a dinosaur would be. And then Mr. Beha Mr. Potato Head, you have to love his, his wise-cracking jokes. He's, he's hot-headed. Uh, he's the eternal pessimist. But then Mrs. Potato Head comes along, right, and uh, finds the softer side in him. You see, in 1991, there was a small computer company led by John Lasseter, Ed Catmull, and Steve Jobs. Can you believe that? He was a part of the early beginnings of Pixar. And they got their first movie deal. And Pixar signed a three-movie deal with Disney. And this was their first attempt to create an animated movie with this new technology. And it was a sink or a swim moment. We know how it turned out, but they didn't know at the time. In 1993, they pitched a toy story about a movie about a boy, his favorite beloved toy, Woody, his rival, Buzz Lightyear, and his toys. And the story was told from the, story, or from the toy's perspective, very different, as we know, from the, the toy's perspective. And they got the green light uh, for this movie. So as the writing uh, process uh, continued on, they proposed uh, this final script. Pixar and the writers got together and proposed this final script to Disney. And instead of uh, being an easygoing Woody, they had him being meaner. And he was jealous, and he was darker. He'd even thrown Buzz out the window, and he was demeaning to the other toys. And Ed Catmull uh, said November 19th of 1993 was considered Black Friday. Not Black Friday of what we think was shopping, but it was Black Friday, and Disney shut down the production until a reasonable script was written. Ooh, we had no idea. So for the next several months, they spent endless hours writing and rediscovering the heart of the movie that John Lasseter um, had first envisioned. And what John Lasseter first envisioned was a toy cowboy who wanted to be loved, who wanted to be loved. And thus, a Toy Story legacy had begun. You see, it's an uncanny story, an uncanny story of a group of toys, all very different personalities, views of life, quirks, imperfections, who became the best of friends in spite of their differences. You see, we live in a world, uh, I, I think right now in this culture that we're in, that wants to pit us against one another. A world that tells us that if you have a different theological view, if you have a different political view, a cultural or religious difference, that uh, we have to be enemies, that we have to pit uh, ourselves against each other, but it doesn't have to be this way. I uh, was on my way home from the beach uh, a couple weeks ago, and I stopped to get gas at a gas station somewhere um, in the mountains. And when I went in to pay for the gas, I noticed that they had a basket of stickers uh, next to the cash register. And uh, one of them uh, on the top had a Trump sticker, and it said, Trump 2020. And I thought, oh, I'm going to pick this up for my girlfriend. She's an avid Trump supporter. I'm going to get her this uh, sticker. And then as soon as I picked it up, there was another sticker underneath. And you can imagine what that said. Dump Trump. <laughs> and uh, so he proceeded to tell me, oh, you should get her that sticker. And I'm like, yeah, I'd still like to be friends with her. Um, but, but one of the things that really struck me about this is that, that you know, we've got two different political views, right? We, we all have different political views right there in that basket. But it also represents two different people groups, two different people. And uh, I, I would gather there are people in this room uh, that would buy probably one of those, you know, everybody would have a different sticker, uh, which is normal. You know, we don't all necessarily uh, think the same. 
But a question that, that I have pondered is how can we embrace one another as beloved children of God even in our vast differences? How can we embrace one another as beloved children of God in our vast differences? Uh, we see division in mainline churches uh, over the issue of same-sex marriage. And I'm learning uh, over this past month that I hold very different theological views of marriage than many of my clergy friends. For me, I believe that God created us male and female and that our bodies are designed uh, physically to go together and to reproduce. For this reason, I believe that biblical marriage is between one man and one woman. But I also believe, hear me, that every person is a beloved child of God. Every person is a beloved child of God. And if you're like me, I have individuals in my life, both inside and outside the church, um, who are a part of my life that identify in this LGBTQ uh, community. And I have a great deal of respect and love for these people whom I do life and ministry with. But right now, I'm finding that our culture is saying, if you're not with me uh, on this side of whatever ever issue it may be, then you have to be against me. And that is so not true. That is so not true. So how can we embrace one another, respect one another, even in the midst of our differing views? I promise you that none of us agree on everything in life. We just don't. And that's okay. With this said, we have to make stands, right? God gave us minds. We have to decide for ourselves where we stand theologically, where we stand politically. Uh, we, 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 like I said, we've been given a brain. God's wired us to think for ourselves. We do. We've got to figure out where we stand on different issues. Um, the United Methodist Church, we don't know what's going to happen necessarily uh, in the future, but I believe regardless of what happens that we are called to love. But for me, I just could not officiate a same-sex marriage. We can and should hold our views right? It's who we are. But how can we engage and interact with others is equally as important. How do we hold these two in tension, right? How do we hold these two in tension? It's called love. We are called to love others, even in our differences, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, it's what we're called to do. And so some of this may not be what you were expecting to hear this morning. And I think it's important um, that, that, that we share with each other, hey, you know, where do you stand on this? And that's okay. Grace, you know, let's love one another. We're not all going to agree, but how can we serve and worship Jesus together, even in the midst of our differences? So this morning we're going to explore the story of two different cultures that come together in the book of Acts um, and just a, a disclaimer, uh, this morning we've got a lot of images up on the screen and not necessarily biblical verses. Um, how many of you have your smartphone with you this morning? How many of you have a Bible with you this morning? All right, we've got hands going up all across. So I'm in the book of Acts, and I'm in chapter 10. So I will uh, be reading scripture aloud, but I want to encourage you to follow along with me. Again, I'm in Acts chapter 10. And feel free to, I'm going to start at uh, verse 1 and, and kind of jump around, but you'll know where I am. Uh, I am in uh, the Passion Translation. That was introduced to me a couple of months ago, actually in the spring. And uh, I don't know about you, but I kind of like to, to read different versions um, of the Bible. So that's where I am this morning, uh, the Passion Translation. You will find that on your Bible app. It's in there if you look at, um, or you can be in whatever translation you'd like. But again, Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1, is where we're going to be this morning. 
Um, so, so again, uh, we, we are um, exploring two different cultures that come together in the book of Acts. Uh, Peter is a, a Jew. We know uh, the apostle Peter is a Jew. And Cornelius is another person we're going to look at. And uh, he is a Gentile. And back then, Jews and Gentiles did not mix. They didn't mix. And today our culture is saying when people uh, groups that we shouldn't mix, that we shouldn't do it. But Jesus says otherwise, just like he did back in biblical times. He says otherwise today. So uh, the situation is that both Cornelius and Peter um, have heard from, from God. They have both heard from God. And Cornelius has, in fact, sent for Peter. He has sent for Peter. And again, Cornelius, he's a Gentile. He's a Roman officer. Um, uh, he's described as someone that has sterling character. Uh, he feared God. He was known by God. And uh, Cornelius, he is described as a good man. A, a little quote I want to share with you this morning. I just love it. It says, good people need Jesus, but the best people need a savior. I just love that. Good people need Jesus, but the best people need a savior. So, and then we also have the apostle Peter. He was um, a disciple of Jesus, and now he was an apostle, and Jesus gave him the keys on which to build the church. But he was also a Jew, and he was steeped in tradition. So we're going to uh, start off here in, again, Acts chapter 10, and I am in the first verse. Hear these words. At that time, there was a Roman military officer, Cornelius, who was in charge of 100 men stationed in Caesarea. He was the captain of the Italian regiment, a devout man of extraordinary character who worshipped God, prayed regularly together with all his family. He also had a heart for the poor and gave generously to help them. Wow, what a guy, what a guy. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had an open vision and saw an angel of God appear right in front of him, calling out his name, Cornelius. Startled, he was overcome with fear by the sight of the angel, and he asked, What do you want, Lord? What do you want, Lord? And the angel said, All of your prayers and generosity to the poor have ascended before God as an eternal offering. Now send some men to Joppa at once. Have them find a man named Simon the Rock, who is staying as a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. We continue in verse 7. After the angel left, Cornelius called for two of his servants and a trusted godly soldier who was his personal assistant. He explained to them everything that had just happened, and he sent them off to Joppa. All of your prayers and generosity to the poor have ascended before God as an eternal offering. Wow. Imagine. Ever wonder if uh, God sees you or hears your prayers? You see, he desires to be in relationship with us. And I have to tell you, his heart is happy right now that we've gathered in his house to worship him and to hear his word. You see, what if we lived our life in such a way, the things that we do, the things that we say, can be received as an eternal offering before God? What we do and what we say matters. Cornelius had made a decision he could have dismissed the Lord's request to summon Peter. You see, he was a Roman official. This would not have gone over well to call for Peter, a Jew and a Jesus follower. It was risky and potentially dangerous for these two to come together. 
But he acted in obedience. He acted in obedience. Meanwhile, Peter uh, is over here in Joppa, right? And he has no idea what's going on. He doesn't know what's happened with Cornelius. He's over here in Joppa. And I just love this, this part of the, the scripture. Um, it, it talks about it's around uh, lunchtime, it's around noon, and I'll read the scripture to you in a minute. Um, but it tells us that Peter's over here in Joppa, and he's starving. I think it's interesting that the Bible is telling us that he is starving. He's like hangry. He's hungry and angry at the same time, right? And uh, as he awaits his DoorDash delivery from the local shawarma place down the street, he has a vision. He also has a vision from God. Hear these words. I'm in uh, verse 9. The next day around noon, as Cornelius' men were approaching Joppa, Peter went up to the flat roof of the house to pray. He was hungry and wanted to eat. And while lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance and entered into another realm. As the heavenly realm opened up, he saw something resembling a large linen tablecloth that descended from above, being let down to the earth by its four corners, and as it floated down, he saw that it held many kinds of four-footed animals, reptiles, and wild birds. And a voice said to him, Peter, go and prepare them to be eaten. And Peter replied, there is no way I could do that, Lord. There is no way, for I've never eaten anything forbidden or impure according to the Jewish laws. And the, vo the voice, it spoke again, nothing is unclean if God declares it to be clean. And the vision repeated itself three times. And then suddenly the linen sheet was snatched back up into heaven. And Peter was so stunned by the vision that he couldn't stop thinking about it and wondering what it all meant. Old habits are hard to break, aren't they? Old habits are hard to break. Peter was still observing the Mosaic dietary laws. And God wanted to do a new thing in Peter. He wanted to do a new thing in Peter, but Peter was hanging on to these old ways. You see, uh, it's hard for us. Uh, many times we find comfort, right? We're comfort, comforted in what we know, and it's hard for us um, to try something different. But, you know, a lot of times we're not going to grow if we don't try to do something different, if we're not willing to change. It takes effort on our parts, and it takes obedience. I want you to notice with me uh, how many times that this vision was repeated to Peter. Three times, right? Three times. I think God knew that Peter was just a little thick. He was a little thick. God had to tell him three times. And he said, God said, let me tell you one more time. I'm going to tell you one more time, right? And then Peter just couldn't stop wondering what it was about. And I find this comforting uh, in many ways because we ask those same things. And it's okay. We scratch our heads asking, what does this mean? What does this mean? So the, the men show up looking for Peter uh, to take him to Cornelius. It's a stranger danger moment, right? Back then, I mean, you lose your life, right? You lose your life. This is a stranger danger moment. And Peter's upstairs, and he's still thinking about that vision, and the Lord speaks to him again. I love this. <clears throat> As Peter was in a deep thought trying to interpret the vision, the spirit said to him, go downstairs now, for three men are looking for you. Don't hesitate to go with them because I have sent them. Again, this strange vision, still trying to figure it out. Stranger danger shows up. But how does Peter respond? He responds the same way that Cornelius did, with obedience with obedience. So Peter heads out with the men who came to get him, uh, the Jew and the apostle and the Gentile Roman official. They come face to face, right? 
They come face to face. Imagine the anticipation. And, and Cornelius, he was so excited, he called his, his friends and his family over to meet Peter. This was a big moment. It was a holy encounter that God had ordained. Imagine again the anticipation, the fear or the anxiety of meeting somebody new, someone that was important, someone that was important. So scripture tells us, uh, I am in uh, verse 26, uh, the moment that Peter walked in the door, Cornelius, what did he do? He fell, he fell at Peter's feet and worshiped him. And Peter responds, Peter pulled him up to his feet and said, stand up for I'm only a man no different than you. No different than you. You see, both Cornelius and Peter were both obedient to the Lord. And they had faith and they trusted and they walked in that obedience. Sometimes walking in obedience is risky. It's risky and sometimes it can seem dangerous. But know that the Lord is always going to protect you wherever he's taking you. So this, uh, this strikes me. It absolutely strikes me. Something to think about this morning. What or who do we fall at the feet of? What is it or who is it that we fall to their feet? Who or what do you worship? Who or what do you worship? It could be money. It could be status. It could be political figures, religious figures, success, things. could be things. Maybe uh, looking like you have it all together, and none of us do, including myself. Our obedience flows out of what or who we worship. Just let that sink in. Our obedience flows out of what or who we worship. You see, both Cornelius and Peter worshipped God. And they worshipped Jesus. They followed Jesus. And out of that flew their, flew, I can't talk, flowed their obedience. It just came naturally, right? So think about that uh, as you go into this day and maybe even this week. Our obedience flows out of what or who we worship. So Peter says, get up, man. I love it. Get up. Get up, man. In what areas of your life is God saying to you, get up, man or woman, get up. You don't need to be worshiping over here. I'm over here. God says, I'm over here. So what are some areas that maybe need to be realigned? I'm picking up in verse 30. Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was fasting and praying here in my home at this very hour, three o'clock in the afternoon. I love how detailed the Bible is um, in terms of times and days, and it's very specific. When a man, was glisten man in glistening clothing suddenly appeared in front of my eyes, and he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers. Your generosity to the poor has been recorded and remembered in God's presence. However, you must send for a man named Simon the Rock, who is staying in Joppa as a guest at Simon the Tanner's, who lives by the sea. So I immediately sent my men to bring you here, and you were kind enough to come, and now we are here. And all of us, in God's presence, anxious to hear the message that God has put in your heart to share with us. And I love how he's just reaccounting everything uh, with Peter in this divine uh, interaction that God has brought these two men together. God has heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers. 
Your generosity to the poor has been recorded and remembered in God's presence. Oh my gosh, isn't that what we all want? I want you to, to turn to somebody this morning and say, God hears you and sees you. I want you to turn to the other side if you've got somebody on that other side and say it again. God hears you and God sees you. Some of, somebody needs to hear that this morning. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. So these two were brought together by God to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, there are many things that keep us apart in this world. But the one thing that will always bring us together, regardless of our differences, is Jesus Christ. Always Jesus Christ. We remember uh, from the writers of Toy Story, there's a, a whole plot line uh, in this one idea that a, ta a toy cowboy just wants to be loved, just wants to be loved. And as for, as for believers, that love is Jesus Christ. And we have the choice every day in how we want to share and show that love to someone else. I uh, have had this saying that has been uh, popping up in many different places uh, in my life over the past couple of months, and it's this saying, we rise by lifting others. Let that just soak in a minute. We rise by lifting others. You see, as believers, um, we have the opportunity to lift up and encourage those around us, especially those who hold different views. How can we walk in obedience to grow in our faith and share the good news? It's what we are called to do as believers. As I was thinking about this as well, you know, it's because I consider myself an encourager. Um, it, 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 I just love to encourage other people. But sometimes I, I think that um, we are the hardest on ourselves. Anybody hard on themselves sometimes? I know I'm not the only one. Gosh, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Or maybe your boss or your spouse or your kids or something happens. And um, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. And um, it's hard to lift others when we've been beaten down. So I'm going to uh, take us into a time of prayer. And I just want you to, uh, to, to have this time where you're connecting with God. To say what it is that you need to, him, need to say to him this morning. Because I realize that not all of us are in a place that we can just go ahead and pour this out because we, we don't have anything left to build anybody else up because we're so torn down, right? And that's the reality. But God, God can build us back up because he loves us no matter what, no matter what. So let us pray. Father, we come before you. Oh, and we thank you for this, this illustration of a relationship between Peter and Cornelius, two men uh, who have very differing views uh, in a world and in a culture back then that pitted them against each other and said, oh, no, you two shouldn't be together. But God says otherwise. God says otherwise. And so we still hold our, our political and our theological views, but we do it in love. We do it in love. And we thank you also, too, for this Toy Story movie and how we see this through unlikely friends of, of, um, of a potato head and, and um, a, a dinosaur and a, and, a, and a toy doll action figure and an astronaut. And, uh, God, just how you can bring anybody together. So, God, we just thank you uh, this morning. And I pray that, that um, you continue to work in our hearts and our minds as we wrestle with this culture that we live in today. And Father, 
Um, I, I pray for each and every one of us to be encouragers in this room, encouragers in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray for each and every one of us now, we're going to take a moment of silent prayer, um, that have either, either come into this room uh, lifted high, lifted high, and some of us are so low on the ground that we can't even get up, that we have been so beaten down. So God, it's in your mercy and in your grace that we call upon the name of Jesus. We call upon the name of Jesus to come in this moment as we give to you what's on our hearts, what's on our minds, our joys, our sorrows. God, hear our prayers. Father, may we be reminded on the good days and the bad days that we ultimately rise in your grace, in your power, and in your mercy. Help us to be a conduit of your love to others. We pray these things in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen.